Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dating in the Bay. Shout out to Finland. You guys are listening. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome again to India. Big shout out to you guys. And just shout out to everybody listening. And you guys are all doing great. Everyone, if you're single or if you've been single, you feel like this is just the time to be alive. So today we have a grab bag, exciting episode of sorts for you. What we have a little bit of spicy, a little bit of policy issues and Date Save America with Molly, our interview in a little bit. But first, I'm going to tell you why I started this podcast, because I guess I never really gave you the why, and this will be a great time to tell you about it. So I listen to a lot of dating and relationship podcasts, probably more than the average person should, but a lot of them, they kind of have this underlying tone that there's something like underlying wrong with you if you're single. And I just fundamentally don't think that's true. I think that there's no timetable on when you're going to meet somebody that you really like. And I also don't believe necessarily in soulmates. So I think there could be multiple people, you know, throughout a lifetime or who knows. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out as I go. But I do know that making people inherently feel a little bit like you're kind of trying to figure out what's wrong with them is not what I'm trying to do here. So my goal of the podcast is to really celebrate where we're at, enjoy in the moment, this experience, this collective experience, and really just pause and like I said, celebrate, celebrate our singlehood, celebrate wherever you're at. And you know, when I do share funny stories and everything, I want to clarify that part of enjoying the process is laughing and poking fun. And I know it could be misconstrued, so I want to clarify since I I have gotten some messages from people. um, Sometimes people can also think that people who are single are like entertainment. So, so, you know, this is kind of a cathartic way to deal and process and just also create something. But I figured we would read some funny profiles that you guys have sent me. This person says, I don't do the mirror selfie thing and I'm missing a tiger. I believe in 50-50 relationships, you protect the world from devastation, and I unite all people within our nation. Okay. This one. Me thinks he's kind. Me likes to travel and dine out both in hole and walls. Fake doctor. Okay. I like to have a cup of coffee every morning. Communication, honesty, and trust are important. And they capitalized all three. It's meant to be, that was a prompt. It's meant to be if you're an anime fan, except Baruto, I don't know who that is. Like, just end that series already. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Also, what makes a relationship great is being able to freely communicate how you feel and that other person doesn't get mad and throw an apple pie at you or bake you into an apple pie. I cannot top that. That one, I'm pretty sure has to be the last one. Oh, this was one more. I'm six foot one COVID free passionate grill master hiking also each one of these has an emoji horseback riding cooking camping cuddling off-roading tennis pong investing problem solving science and human rights let's explore and grow together 
boom. Wow. Okay. So that's just a little injecting a little funny humor. Dating is hard for a number of reasons. And the more open we are, I think the best like outcome we can have and the more freeing it'll be for everybody. Dating is all about practice, practicing new skills and less about like, oh my gosh, I need to go find this person right now and like, you know, because that's not going to solve anything. Rather, it's all about staying present, having fun, really just enjoying it and being present and enjoying yourself. That's that's the goal here, right? Is that we can enjoy this process and less of like a grind because that's not very enjoyable or sustainable. And also like you want to be able to kind of have a light energy, I think. I think it goes a long way personally. Anyways, just thinking about it, like you work out and like you build muscles the same way that you can have like a dating skills muscle and you can always work on different skills. So you can practice on asking a ton of questions. You can practice giving compliments. You can do tons of different things and you can practice being silly or like I'll give myself little challenges where I want to use random words or like random I want to talk about random things. Like I love Funfetti cake. So I'll just like randomly start talking about Funfetti cake with somebody or I don't know, just keeping it fun and entertaining to yourself is honestly half the battle because the way that you show up, that makes all the difference. It's, you know, a lot of times we can blame it on, oh, the person was boring, but it's like, how did we show up? Did we bring our A game? Did we bring our best self? Or were we kind of like molding and reacting to how that person was? which I've noticed just for myself, it can really be a big switch. So that's why I am mentioning that now. Anyways, that's that. And now I'm going to tell you about our guest, Molly. And Molly's awesome. She worked in the Obama White House on climate change. And now she works in the private sector on energy issues. But she created this awesome thing called Date Save America and basically recruited volunteers to go on the dating apps and use organizing tactics and tools to get people to register to vote in the election. So using dating apps in a cool new twisted way. We're going to talk to her and you'll enjoy her. We talk about how there were even some love connections that happened as a result of the basically people changed their location to different states that were swing states and there were love connections. So we'll hear about those and she's awesome. So enjoy our interview. So you created Date Save America, and you basically motivate people to go organize on Hinge and other dating apps. You got tons of press for it, like it became like a really big thing. And I want to hear kind of where you came up with this idea. And then were there any love connections that happened from it? I actually heard there were a few, which I just <gasps> yes. I love. I love that. Yeah. Some people in Michigan. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this was like quite an adventure. And the reporters helped like... A few people in the past have like come to the same conclusion, like, oh, we can use dating apps for this. I came to that too. Like it was a really interesting concept. Like this is incredible geotargeting technology. And we just organized it. So, and and that was really to the credit of a lot of people that kind of like jumped on this with me and we're swiping like crazy. And then we're like, oh, I have these other ways that we can actually like solidify this as like a real movement. So I was basically like on hinge. And at one point, I just realized I could go into any network in the country. And I just like, it took me a while to realize this. I was like, oh, like they don't charge. Because you can change your location to any place. You can swipe anywhere, guys. Like if anybody's (laughs) curious, you can go anywhere. And so obviously, I thought it's 
coming up in November, I'm going to go to a battleground state and like swipe there. And, and part of this is kind of a more broad question, right? Which is we're in a pandemic. How do you reach voters in battleground states? And I'd been doing a lot on talking to folks about what later became dubbed as friend banking. I didn't come up with this term, but it was basically like, hey, do peer-to-peer networking in your own network to people in battleground states, meaning think of anybody you know in Wisconsin and reach out to them. Don't just like randomly call voters on the voter list, right? Before you do that, please talk to people that you can actually convince. And so I was thinking about that. And to be honest, I didn't know, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people in Ohio because I live there. I didn't know a ton of people in a lot of these battleground states. I family in Michigan, but there were so many states in play this year, right? And you're just like, how do I reach these people? It's challenging for even campaigns to do right now. And to get a hold of a voter in one of these states is a big deal. To get a voter, a hold of a voter in one of these states that's undecided is a huge deal. And to get a hold of a voter that's undecided in one of these states that's willing to talk to you is a gigantic deal. And so that was what I was thinking about is like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to get somebody in front of you? And so basically, when I realized that you can start contacting these people on dating apps, which kind of builds on this principle in politics that we talk about a lot, which is meet people where they are. And I think there's such a correlation with a dating app. Like you're on a dating app because you're looking for something in life. Same with politics. Same with the campaigning, right? Like you're trying to seek out some outcome that's going to improve your life and the lives of the people you care about. I actually did think it was like a really fitting platform to campaign on. Well, especially during a pandemic when I feel like loneliness is probably at an all-time peak. People are feeling a little bit more vulnerable and like willing to talk to somebody that they might not normally. So I feel like that's probably also a really good opening. Were you able to measure any progress or follow to see who actually was able to vote afterwards? Yes. People basically, for the most part, I mean, it was based on political organizing principles. So, you know, there's a very standard way of doing this. Like if they were committed to a candidate, not leaning like done committed, you do not bother them. You don't engage, you can unmatch, like let them go on with their day, respect their decision. It was really the the undecideds that we really realized we could hit. So really what this became actually, it it really converted from what I thought was going to be a get out the vote operation, which is finding committed supporters. They're already ID'd and getting them out to vote. And we basically converted into a full-on persuasion operation, which I never would have expected. Campaigns often say, we're done persuading. We're now just in GOTV, right? It's just time to get people out to the polls. And, you know, I haven't actually always known if it's because they don't think they're out there or if it's because this is how we're going to use our resources. Whatever that reason is, we were finding them on the dating apps in numbers I never would have expected, like huge pockets of undecided voters. So many people saying... I don't know who I'm going to vote for two days out. I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And I'm probably going to decide when I'm in the polling booth. That's so interesting. Well, on the apps, like on Hinge, I noticed a lot of people saying that they were moderate during the election. And I just thought, how interesting, because it's such a polarizing time to consider yourself a moderate. I'd always ask, where do we fall in the moderate? So were you guys targeting then if it was liberal, would you still reach out to them or would it only be the moderates? So we actually really started focusing on people with moderate listed as their political belief, because for anybody that doesn't know on dating apps, you can actually list your political belief. And it's a really interesting way to kind of see where somebody's at and kind of ID them very quickly and probably saves a lot of time for a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) on on both ends, right? (laughs) So yeah, so that and people who don't list their political belief. And the number of people, I mean, if you contact somebody in an election like this, that is just so out there. 
where you have Donald Trump, who's just like way out there. And then you have a Democrat, <laughs> pretty run of the line, normal, you know, moderate Democrat. Like you really ultimately, if you are undecided, then you just don't really know where you stand, which is fine. That's what they were telling us. You know, they were just like, I have no idea. And sometimes people would be like, okay, well, like respect your decision, you know, like, <laughs> or they'd be like, Hey, are you a canvasser? And they'd say, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to bother you. And they'd be like, no, 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 don't go. Tell me who to vote for. Oh, like that's not good. <laughs> These people were honestly, they were just asking to be told who to vote for. They had no idea. And it really just took a little bit of a push to explain this is what the, this candidate stands for. This is what he will do for you. And this is what this other one has been doing and like is going to wreak more havoc on. Like it wasn't even a polarizing conversation. Even it wasn't even like that persuasive. It was just explaining this is what they stand for. And it's really not a hard case to make. It's not even an argument. There's no debate. You just kind of explain this. And then they're like, great, done. I'm on board. And honestly, I believe if we didn't hit those people who two days out have no idea, they weren't going to vote. They were never going to vote, right? But because they got hit by somebody and had a personal peer-to-peer vulnerable conversation that was open, non-judgmental, we got them over the line. And that's really what you know, kind of voter mobilization in the last few days. That's what it's really about. And I realized that for a lot of reasons, people actually shockingly were so good at this. They didn't need that. They knew not to get in fights with people. They knew not to like ram statistics down their throat. They just talked about why they care. And that's ultimately how you persuade. Did you guys ever get any pushback from Hinge as an app or like the company? So I I was like really hoping to fly under the radar. First off, I was sure Hinge was going to ban my profile for life. <laughs> well, then you end up on like Vogue and everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I just knew this was coming and I was like, well, I, you know, it's okay, whatever. Like it's, I was just waiting for them to ban me. And ultimately uh, we were flying under the radar kind of. And then CNN and Vogue and Slate reached out and I made kind of a calculated decision where I thought, one, this isn't going to look great if, you know, future employer Googles me. Like, this is what, what pops up. Like, okay, that's not great, but like, whatever. Two, this could get the dating apps to start paying attention and shut us down. And I, I was thinking it's a matter of days. Like, they're going to find out. And they're going to get onto us. But ultimately, like, we we're able to find under the radar until CNN reached out to, to Hinge. <laughs> and they asked for a comment from Hinge. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so bad. And Hinge really like kind of wrote, like said this comment kind of that just implied like, this is bad. We don't like you. And then Vogue did an article where they actually got, they got, and like the articles listed my, you know, they wanted a story about like how this came about. They listed my name and the names of some of the organizers who were working with me. And so it's very easy to find our profile. I have a very distinct name. (laughs) Um, But ultimately they, um, uh, Vogue did this piece and they reached out to a constitutional lawyer in Irvine and that constitutional lawyer exonerated me basically and said that he read the terms and conditions and he knew electoral law and he said she's not breaking any rules so I felt like I got some some backing which I you know I wasn't really I thought we probably might have been violating the terms but at the end of the day like if we're reaching hundreds of voters on the ground in Bucks County Pennsylvania I'm not going to think about that as much. Like my, you know, my purpose is to reach as many people as we can up in Bucks County. So if we can do that, the consequences will be what they will. But they ended up not being too bad. And I know <laughs> Tinder actually like sent out a notification, like a specific notification about like canvassing will not be allowed in the apps if you're trying to door knock. There are better ways to do that. 
And so it was funny. I was like, oh, wow, they're like really onto this. And my friend actually just got a text from some organization I'd never heard of that was like, in Georgia, we're doing swipe out the vote and like, <laughs> we're doing a training. I was like, wow, this is like really gaining steam. This is amazing. That's awesome. You created the whole thing. Well, yeah. I mean, who knows where, you know, a lot of people like had this idea, but it, it is just incredible geotargeting capabilities. And we did have a lot of people swiping because we knew what was happening when they were getting saturated. Awesome. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being here. I have a feeling that you're going to be, I don't know, I can see you like being future president one day. So <laughs> you have to come back to dating in the Bay when you're POTUS. Well, I love your podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. All right. Thank you guys for listening. It's time for my dating hack of the week. This week, I would love it if you guys would join me in writing a self-compassion letter. So this looks like writing yourself a letter. And for me, it's like sometimes I can beat myself up a lot and I dwell on things and then my brain just starts going and going and going. And I'll kind of get down this rabbit hole and I'm like, how did I get here? Also, I would never like treat my friends the way I'm treating myself. So like, let's just take a step back, Rebecca. Anywho, part of the self-compassion letter is kind of being like, okay, like we're good, you're good. And then you can talk to yourself kindly and positively and giving yourself some props like, hello, we're doing this thing. We've been in this pandemic for literally, uh, curious of how many, it's easy to count how many days, but <laughs> a long time. And we're like all hanging in there and adapting. And, you know, humans are very resilient, but especially people who are alone like I live alone, a lot of my friends live alone, and it does create a uniquely alone experience. So making us feel a little bit less alone, I think goes a long way. So part of that involves you writing your self-compassion letter. And yeah, let me know if you do it. I think it'll boost everyone's week. And then you can also write a friend a letter and telling that making their day better too. But let's start first with the self-compassion letter and then if you finish your homework early, you can also do some extra credit and also send your friend a letter. And if not, I'll just add that to next week's homework. So, okay, it's like a lot of homework. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you again to Molly for joining me. Thank you to StudioPod for producing my podcast. And I will see you guys next Wednesday. Wednesday.